Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Yesterday, we went over to our one of our board members' uh, ranch, uh, Gary Lauer, and we spayed all of our yearlings that belonged to Save the Cowboy and Gary's yearlings and Ty's yearlings. And um, we, it, it, it was an awesome time. Uh, Sarah got to go with us. It was her first time to experience spaying heifers. And uh, she got to do some things that she had never done before. And it, it was just a, a, a really cool time. And the weather was just amazing. Uh, comparatively speaking, I was walking over from the house while ago with my tortillas and uh, for the Lord's Supper, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm glad this is today and not yesterday whenever uh, we were working cattle. But anyway, so we have 47 yearlings, and we got them all worked, and I was working the head gate for the, uh, for the uh, veterinarian, and uh, Ty was giving shots, and Mitch was implanting, and Sarah was doing some implanting, and Gary and Meg and, and Brett, Brett was hauling cows, and Everything was going really, really smooth, which always worries me <laughs> when things go really smooth whenever you're working cows. And we got done with all of ours, and we were loading them up, and, and there's a few that uh, of our rambunctious, is that, is that a good word, Ty, rambunctious? <laughs> yeah, yeah your, your word started with an F, but... Uh, uh, Anyway, we, <laughs> frisky, that's the, that's the word I was thinking of, frisky. We have some frisky uh, ones mixed in, and they hit the gate of the trailer real hard, and it, like we were loading, and, and the wire popped off that was holding the gate open, and sure enough, the wildest four heifers that we have out of these 47, because it's always the, the rank ones that are at the last, Man, here they go. They're headed for the highway. We don't have any horse. Well, me and Ty and everything, our horses are miles from us. And uh, Gary and Meg had their horses, but they're turned out in pasture. And we all just kind of stood there <laughs> as these cows headed for the highway. And so after our initial shock, everybody, Gary and Ty jumped in, or Ty took off running. Uh, he can still run. He's pretty quick. And... Uh, Anyway, things were going well, and we got them hemmed up in a corner, and I thought things were going to go really smooth until they took a left turn and went over three fences. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, I mean, we're done with our set. We still have Gary's set to do. And I was like, how are we going to get these heifers that have their head up at nine feet, and they've got a permanent nine in their tail, and they are booking it across uh, the foundation pasture? You know, and the last thing I wanted to do on Saturday before Easter was chase wild cows without a horse. And so I ran 30 feet and I gave it up. Um, I let Mitch and Ty uh, do, do all of the track star running. I just, you know, y'all go ahead, I'll bring the truck. <laughs> and so anyway, I, I, I just wanted to get in my truck whenever they left. Have you ever been through this situation where everything was going good and then everything goes to crap and you just want to get in your truck and just leave? That's what I wanted to do. But my truck was hooked up to the big 32-foot trailer, so I couldn't go anywhere. 
And so anyway, I'm sitting there watching all of these guys do a mad scramble. And uh, cowboys are running everywhere. You know, some are on four-wheelers. Uh, some are in a little side-by-side. And they're trying to turn these wild cows. And then I see Ty and Mitch running just at full stupid on their feet, not on a horse, on their feet. And uh, Ty is slowing up and Mitch is gaining on him, but I don't think it's because Mitch was very fast. I think he couldn't stop. And you, you could hear Mitch's, uh, Mitch has like size 19 boots and you could hear him flap, 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 flap. And I kept picturing Ty in Jurassic Park I've turned around going, must go faster, must go faster, must go faster. (laughs) Yeah, he's a little spooky, huh? (laughs) And so, anyway, Mitch was going like a freaking barrel horse going downhill at 9-0 with the gate shut. And he was just out of control. He had the bit in his teeth, and he wasn't going to slow down for nothing. So, anyway... That, that, that's about the time I, I surveyed everything in my infinite uh, leadership skills. I was just like, okay, I'm going to go to the house now. So <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. And uh, have you ever had a time in your life when things were going great? I mean, I'm not saying things are easy, but things are going great. And then they just turned to crap. I mean, just in the blink of an eye, Everything that was so going so good has now turned so bad. There was another time when things were going great and then turned to crap. And some other cowboys just decided to head to the house in the midst of a great big wreck. In John chapter 20, starting in verse 6, John chapter 20, starting in verse 6, the good book says, Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, that's John who wrote John, uh, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Things had been going very well for Jesus and his disciples. I mean, you know, in just three short years, Jesus and 12 dudes, 12 cowboys, had experienced raising people from the dead. Um, They had seen people walk on water. They had seen demon-possessed people that could break chains healed. They saw... That Jesus fed 5,000 with a few loaves of bread and some fish sticks. I mean, that's amazing because I can eat a bunch of fish sticks, but Jesus he can, he can feed a bunch of people with. You just eat the bread? Okay. <laughs> but then Jesus went and got himself arrested right before Passover. And Passover was the biggest holiday in, in the Jewish festival. And that came from their time in Egypt whenever God used Moses to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. And uh, God sent down a curse to to, uh, kill all the firstborn sons unless people had put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. I mean, this is huge, right? I mean, this is the culmination of everything, of God's promises. And and, and the Passover season 
was huge in the Jewish faith. And right before they're supposed to celebrate it, Jesus goes and gets himself arrested. Not only did he get himself arrested, he got himself placed on a cross. And now Jesus is dead. They have buried him in a tomb. And two of the disciples on a word from the ladies had run over there and they look in the tomb and the tomb is empty. Not only did Jesus get himself arrested, not only did Jesus get himself strung up on a cross, but Jesus done got himself stolen. I mean, this is, you know, we know what happened, but we have to put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples that you're like, how, how could they not believe? They spent three years with him. Well, they didn't have what we have now. I mean, they, they thought things were over. Things had been going so, so good. And then Jesus got himself arrested. And then he got himself placed on a cross and he got himself beaten and he got a crown of thorns placed on his head and he got himself spat upon and a, ro- and a purple robe placed around him and a sign that said, you know, king of the Jews placed above his head and all of this stuff. And then he got himself killed. And the disciples don't know what to do. So they cowboyed up. Kind of. And I found this really interesting because I, I was going a complete different way with my Easter message. But, you know, I, I still think that God reveals himself to us in, in new and, and experiential ways whenever we read uh, the good book. And so I'm reading in John chapter 20, which is my favorite version of the, resurre- of the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. Even though it's not the most lengthy or detailed, it is my favorite. And so I'm reading all of this, and in then verse 9, after we see that Peter and John get to the tomb, they go in, they see the, that Jesus' body isn't there, and, the, and the, 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 mat, or the linen that's covered in his face is folded up, and it's all there, and there's a big symbolic deal of that that's, that if you watch other Easter messages, somebody's liable to talk about, but, but I won't. But in, them, in, in verse 9, it said, For until then... They still hadn't understand the, understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. And so here's this culmination. Jesus has risen. He was killed on Friday. It's been three days and he raises himself from the dead to become the first fruits of all of those. And two of the three most trusted disciples get there and they look into the tomb and, and, and the body's not there. And, and what do they do now? Well, let's look. Because it tells us what they did in John chapter 20, verse 10. Remember, 9 says, Until then they had understood that the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. And then in verse 10 it tells us what that miraculous thing that the disciples did. Jesus' closest friends on earth, those that had studied under him, and and that he had mentored and shown them all of these miraculous things. When they see that Jesus is not in the tomb anymore, What is their resurrection response? John chapter 20 verse 10 tells us, Then they went home. (laughs) I mean, you know, things had been going so well. And and I just, I kind of found this a little bit humorous that they get to the tomb. They have run all the way there. Much like, I, I can picture Peter running like Mitch, you know, just with size 14 slapping the ground and, and everybody's running to try to get to where they need to be in order to figure out what's going to happen. And they get there, and they see, and they believed. And their response, according to Scripture, is, Then 
they went home. <laughs> it just seems very anticlimactic to me that these same guys that, that studied under Jesus and that spent nearly every waking moment with him would their response to the resurrected Christ is they went home. I mean, I, I can just imagine them kind of feeling like I felt yesterday as everything was going so good and then everything went to crap and they're like, okay, I'm going to go home now. They did that. Unfortunately, our response to Jesus' resurrection hasn't changed much in 2,000 years. Three responses to the resurrection that happened 2,010 years ago and what our response should be today. We've already talked about the first thing the disciples did. They went to the house. They went to the house. We always try to go back to our safe spot where things are not weird, scary, intimidating, stressful, or unknown. We have this great tendency when things get stressful or we don't know what's going on or we're scared or we're afraid is we just quit and go to the house. And if you don't think that you're guilty of that, how many times have you heard a, a sermon that just lit your soul on fire and you're like, yeah, that's the kind of man I want to be. Yeah, that's the kind of woman that I want to be. And, and, and during the sermon, man, you're all fired up and you're ready to change the world. And what do you do afterwards? You go home because that's what we do because we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't know what we're supposed to say. We don't know what we're supposed to do. We're afraid. We're scared. Yeah, we're, we're, we're on fire, and yeah, we believe. But, but our first response is we just go home. Then they went home. What do we do when we are unsure of the next step? We go to the house. It's natural. It's what all of us have done time and time again after after meeting Jesus, yeah, he lights our soul on fire, but we don't know what to do with it, so we just go home. What do we do when we know we should be doing something, but for the life of us, we don't know what that is? We go to the house, because we don't know what else to do. Now, I think that we should take a break for just a second, and before we go to thinking too lowly of our beloved disciple and, and Peter because we've all been guilty of going to the house, but we are even more guilty of what happened next, of what happened next. So we read verse 10 that says, then they went home. They have just gone into the tomb. They discovered that, that the, Jesus' body isn't there. The, the burial shroud is there, and you know the rock has been rolled away. I, I always thought that the rock was not rolled away so that Jesus could come out, so that but the rock was rolled away so that we could go in and see that he's not there. But when you drop down to verse 19 of John chapter 20, it tells you the second response to the resurrection that the disciples had. And in John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid. Not only did they go home, but the Bible tells us that they were afraid they went home, they huddled together, and they locked the doors. And I cannot think of a better description of modern Christianity than that right there. Our response to the resurrection is we go home because we're afraid what people might think, what they might say, what, they, what our families might say, what our friends might say when they figure out that, that we are... Uh, <laughs> That, that we believe in the resurrected Christ, what do we do? We go home and we lock our doors because we're afraid. 
Are you going to hide in fear of your calling? You've experienced the resurrected Son of God, and all you can think to do is hide because you're scared? We've all done it. There's not a single Christian alive. And, and we know the whole story, and, and we kind of laugh, and I don't want to say make fun of, but you know, we, we kind of giggle at the disciples, the people that knew Jesus better. I mean, yeah, I know Jesus really well because he lives in my heart, but at the same time, I've never walked with him and talked with him. I've never, he's never called me out of the boat in a physical sense to walk on water. I didn't see him feed 5,000 people with a few fish sticks and, and, and some loaves of bread. I didn't see any of that, but these guys did. And their response to the resurrection was they went home and they locked themselves in because they were scared. Because they were afraid. When we don't know what to do, we do the most logical thing our sinful minds can think of. We hide in fear. We don't let the love of Christ shine through us. We put a towel over that light so that nobody can see it. We don't step out in courage and faith. We hunker down in fear. We don't let the resurrection catapult us into our best life. We hide in our previous one where we felt safe before. We go home. We lock the doors because we're afraid. We go back to the house and hide in fear, but the inevitable happens next. And we are all really guilty of the third resurrection response. In the next chapter, John, John chapter 21, starting in verse 3, it says, Simon Peter, now that's the Peter that you all know. Pete said, well, I'm going fishing. And the others said, well, we'll come too. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night long. When you go back to the life that you had, I mean, think about this. Who were a lot, not all of them, but who were a lot of the disciples? They were fishermen. Didn't Jesus come out to them and say, you know, leave everything you know. And, and they left their boats and they left their nets and, and, and they decided to walk with Jesus. But, but then after it's all said and done, after they walked with him, they rode for him for three years. He gets himself arrested. He gets himself killed. He, he gets strung up on a cross. And now they don't even know where his body is. And he has already appeared to them and had Thomas stick the finger in the nail-scarred hands. But yet, even then, what is their resurrection response? Pete says, I'm going to go fishing. Why did Pete say this? Because that's what he was used to. He didn't know any other life. He had known what it was like to be a fisherman. And then for a brief amount of time, three years, he knew what it was like to follow Christ, but Christ wasn't there anymore. They didn't know where he was. They knew that he was resurrected and they believed, but they still didn't know what to do. After three years of studying under Christ and everything that he told them to do, what was their resurrection response? Pete said, I'm going fishing and we'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat but they caught nothing. When we go back to the life that we had before we truly knew Jesus, we should not be surprised that, it, that that life is no longer fruitful. Think about that. When we go back to the life we had, don't be surprised when it is no longer fruitful because that's what they did. They went home. Not only did they go home, but they locked the doors because they were afraid. And then after even seeing the resurrected Christ, what did the disciples do? Pete started, he goes, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. 
How many of us have been through that exact same thing? Man, we, we start coming to church, we get on fire for God, but we don't know what to do, so we go home and, and we're, we're unsure of what our friends are gonna say, what our family's gonna say, what our coworkers are gonna say when they find out that we're these Jesus freaks and we lock the doors and we hide and then we just go back to the old life that we had and then we wonder why things are not being fruitful. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night because that's not what they were supposed to be doing. I'm not saying that they did anything wrong. It was just no longer their calling because Jesus said, uh, come with me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, man, follow me for three years and then I want y'all to go back to fishing and you're going to be like the bill dance of disciples. Okay, that, that's not what Jesus said. And I'm not saying that you can't go home. And I'm not saying that you won't ever be scared or that you can't go back to where you are comfortable. But I am wondering what your response to the resurrected Christ will be. You are watching this, hopefully, because of two reasons. Number one, you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God made flesh. That he was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, and became the last sacrifice, the final perfect sacrifice because he was perfect and he took our place on the cross so that he took all of the punishment for every one of our sins past present and future so that we would be made right with God what is your resurrection response what is your response to the resurrected Christ many years ago me and Ty were helping a local rancher out and uh we went out to check the cows, and sure enough, there was one that had bad foot rot, and she was a big old thing. I mean, you know, she probably weighed like ten or 12,000 pounds. I mean, she was big. When you're on Fiona, all of them look like that. And so, anyway, we knew we had to doctor her, so, so Ty reached out, and he, he roped her by the neck, and then I come in and, and uh, healed her, and, and I'm on a smaller horse, and, and we lay her down, and I've got two back feet, but I mean... She will not give it up. I mean, she is still trying to call around. She's mad. She's, she's jerking my horse around. There's nothing I can do to stop it. And me and Ty are like, well, I wonder what we're going to do because, I mean, Ty's horse could hold the head, but Fiona was having a really hard time holding the feet because the feet were bigger than Fiona. And so, anyway, we're kind of sitting there waiting on her to quit struggling so that we can get off and doctor. And about that time, our salvation rolled up in the form of two teenage boys that were out there fixing fence. They pulled up, they see that we've got this cow stretched out and they can tell she's mad and she's, you know, all of this stuff. And, and so this kid gets out and he walks up and he goes, y'all need some help? And we're like, uh, yeah, actually we could use some help. And so anyway, he was like, what do you need me to do? And we're like, we need you to give him the shot. And so he gets this shot from Ty and he goes over there and, and I don't know really what it's like to have a, a grizzly bear headed and healed, but that, that's what this cow was like. I mean, she was laying on the ground, and she's still trying to eat this kid alive, and he keeps jumping back. And I mean, she really can't get to him, but uh, anyway, he, he's doing his best, but he, he's not even really getting close. And um, things got a little bit hairy, even though he was... I don't want to say perfectly safe. He's as safe as a cowboy can be in that situation. And so anyway, he's got this, this needle and, and we need to give this cow a shot. And we've got this cow stretched out and 
Then all of a sudden he goes, well, I ain't going to get hurt. He goes and he hands the syringe back to Ty, and he goes against the truck, and they leave. <laughs> and me and Ty are sitting out there, kind of like me and Steven are, that's running the camera, and we're looking at each other like, uh, did that really just happen? I mean, here's this mad cow that we have to doctor. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And it's like our salvation rode up, and then it left. You know, we tend to run from things that scare us instead of towards it that will bring us through the fear. I mean, there's a lot of times that it would just seem like it's easier just to say, you know what, somebody else handle this. I'm going to go to the house and have some lunch. I don't want to get hurt. I'm afraid. I'm scared. I'm feeling, I, I don't want to look stupid. I don't really know what I'm doing. This seems to be too much for me. We all just want to go back to fixing fence. And that's what they did. They, they loaded up. They went and had a sandwich and then they went back to fixing fence. I don't even know if me and Ty had the cow doctored by then or not. But we didn't go back to the house after our cows got out yesterday. We didn't go back to the house. We didn't give up. We didn't get scared. Thanks to Gary and Ty and Mitch's and Brett's excellent motorized cowboying skills, we got our four heifers back. As much as I wanted to, of just to get in the truck and just go home and leave it for somebody else, none of us did that. We all played our part in getting these heifers back in. We got them back in, and then just like cowboys do, we went and we finished the job because that's our response to things. Do you know what your job is? Do you know what your job you need to finish is? What is your response? Don't think I'm talking to somebody else. I'm talking to each one of you listening right now. What is your response to the resurrection? Are you just going to go home after this? Are you already home? Are you going to make sure that the doors are locked? Are you going to tomorrow, are you just going to go back to your old way of life? Or are you going to let that resurrection completely change exactly who you are?